Yo, what's up? This is Avila, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Yeah. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. A generation of pioneers, specifically at light heavyweight, transitioned out of the cage this week. And there were three fighters from UFC Stockholm alone that retired. One of those was Nick Hine, who debuted in August of 2009, a veteran of eight UFC fights. He was 14 and 5 in his career and finished with a stoppage rate of about 36%. He fought out of Tiger Muay Thai and hailed from Cologne, Germany. Baba Jimmy, the poster boy. Manawa, that's right, I said his whole first name, Baba Jimmy. He was the first Nigerian that I knew of in the UFC. His crazy KO power led him to be a must-watch fighter since he started his career in August of 2008. He was in a three-way dance for the title at one point, and had he not lost to Volkan Ozdemir late in 2017, he would have fought DC in Boston to kick off the first pay-per-view of 2018. Now, he lost by KO late last year in December, but he had a round of the year contender with the current 205 title challenger, Thiago Mejeta Santos. He's been in with the best that the UFC's had to offer and walks away with a 17-6 and record with one submission and 15 KOs, including 10 in a row. Alexander Gustafsson has mauled opponents since November of 2007. On Saturday, he left his gloves in the cage in his native land of Sweden and said, the show's over, guys. The 16-fight UFC vet gave John Jones and Daniel Cormier arguably the hardest fight of their careers. The three-time title challenger has been plagued with inactivity in recent years due to injuries and said before the fight that if he can't beat Anthony Smith, especially with remembering the pain that he suffered after being KO'd by Rumble Johnson at home, that he should retire. And he was serious. Personally, I agree with him. Because if he's fighting for anything less than the love of fighting, he had to beat Smith because his road back to the title in the UFC is blocked. And time is not on his side. Most of the bookings going forward would have been around his homeland of Sweden. And if he kept losing there, it'd be humiliating especially with being such a pioneer for European MMA, specifically Sweden. He paved the road for teammates of his like Elir Latifi and the surging Jack Hermanson. He did a lot of good work for that region, and he'll be missed. Now, Gus said, so 
I don't know what to do. If I don't have that feeling in me, then there's no point for me to continue. Now, recently, he took a step back on his statement, which matches the style that he had of evading shots and creating room by resetting and said, it's pretty much a done deal. I hope he stays away. If not, then I hope he gets a change of scenery when it comes to promotions because different levels of competition could be the best prescription for him at this time. Last but not least, my dude, for real, for real, Muhammad King Mo Lawal. He was the former Strike Force champ. And to become the champ, he beat Gegard Musasi. And this was only Mo's seventh pro fight that he did it. At that time, he was one of the few African-American champs in MMA. He was the rising heavyweight Grand Prix champion as recently as 2015. And the man who coined the term Moneyweight. On top of that, quiet is kept. King Mo led DC into the fight game, specifically to AKA. I believe his legacy is that of a trailblazer. In a time now where Nigeria is popping as far as MMA is concerned, producing champs like Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya, and a potential star in Super Sadiq Yusuf, Mo was the first one, to my knowledge, of Nigerian descent to hold a major title in a major organization being strike force, or I should say holding a title in a major organization. He blazed a trail not only for African Americans, but all Africans in MMA. He made it easy for somebody like Francis Ngannou to come in and wreck shop because of the work that he did. And there are a number of fighters, regardless of race and nationality, that owe their success to the guidance of Mo Lawal. He's going to use this knowledge to shape the next generation as a coach at ATT, which is his home gym. All right, let's get into some birthday wishes. First and foremost, let's give it up to Patricky Pitbull. Matt Sarah had a birthday this week. The Noguera brothers had birthdays this week. Linton Swarm Sal, St. Louis's own Michael the Menace Johnson. The James Krause also had a birthday this week. Syed Awad. Bellator double champ Ryan Darth Bader. Dan the Beast Severin and Marvin Eastman all had birthdays this week. On the prayer list for the week, we got Paige Van Zandt, who broke her arm for the third time. Three times. Same arm from a spinning backfist attempt here in St. Louis in her debut at Featherweight. I'm sorry, Women's Flyweight. Someone else that's on the prayer list this week is Andrea KGB Lee. About nine months ago, she was on the prayer list because her uh, husband was charged 
with domestic abuse regarding her which is absolutely horrible it's atrocious and he's been on the run since then well the police caught up with him in Texas this week as he was speeding through a school zone and when they searched him he had marijuana on his possession so that landed him in the pokey he got extradited to Shreveport Louisiana which is where the case was for the domestic dispute that he had and I mean the, the justice system is there for justice and justice for all he was released on $1,700 bond which that seems kind of low especially for someone who they've been looking for for nine months so I, I'm really praying one that he gets the help that he needs so he's not doing the silly crazy things that he's doing and even more so I'm praying for Andrea Lee because that can't be comforting to know that he's out and about now he's not on the run I mean granted he does have the bond out there he does still have the case pending so he needs to be careful in how he deals with things but to know that he's probably right there in the boot in Shreveport, Louisiana and currently free can't be very comforting at all so definitely praying for all of these parties up next some sweet science conversation in the old one too what's good it's your boy Stephen Malcolm and you are listening to MTMV Sports let's get it Time to go between the ropes and step into the squared circle for the old one, two. CEO of Mayweather Promotions, Leonard Ellerby, said, bringing a show to Baltimore for Javante to perform on a stage in front of his hometown fans has been a long time ask for him, and I'm glad it's coming to fruition. When will it happen? July 27th is the date. Royal Farms Arena is the place and Ricardo Nunez is who he will face. Now, I don't know if that's enough time for Tank to get down to the 130-pound limit that's necessary to defend his title because the 24-year-old has been out here on social media looking like he has a propane tank above his belt. The WBO has been busy as of late. They set a mandatory purse bid for Kovalev Yarde as the fight was scheduled for June 29th in Russia, but financing fell through. So that's not going to happen. They were waiting to hear uh, when and where specifically in Russia was going to happen. The information didn't come. So they said, look, these two need to fight. We're doing a bid for the fight purse starting at $300,000 and whoever is bidding must have a date as well as a venue secured in order to win. After that, they made the matchup between Golaki and Breedis more interesting as they promoted Kristoff from interim to full cruiserweight champ. They accomplished this by giving Alexander Usyk a champion in recess title as the 2018 Fighter of the Year pursues greatness at heavyweight. 
Breedis is now the mandatory challenger for the matchup that he already had. And with a victory, he would gain the full version of the WBO title as well as the vacant WBC title. The televised lineup for this week is as follows, and it's all on Saturday, June 8th. From the Reno Sparks Convention Center in Reno, Nevada on ESPN, Top Rank presents number four ranked featherweight in the world, 25 and 0 with 20 KOs, Oscar Valdez, who looks to make his sixth successful defense of the WBO title that he holds versus 14 and 0 Jason Sanchez. Sanchez should have good cardio because he fights out of his hometown of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he will need this as this will be the first 12-round bout of his career. He did go 10 rounds last year, but before that, the longest he'd gone was 8 rounds. With 7 KOs, stamina will be key, as he's more likely to get stopped than to do the stopping. Now, the big bout for boxing is going to be at the mecca of boxing, Madison Square Garden. In New York, that's right. Two huge fights back to back at the Mecca. This one featuring 38 1 and 1 Triple G Gennady Golovkin. He is the number one middleweight contender in the world, according to Ring Magazine. And he will face the undefeated Steve Rose, Stephen Michael Rose. Full government name, that's it. No nicknames, Stephen Michael Rose. Now, the Toronto native wants to give his city more to cheer about following the winning waves of the Raptors, who took a lead in the NBA Finals earlier this week. Each of Rose's fights have gotten progressively harder, and he won the USBA middleweight title his last time out. A member of the Canadian national team from 2009 to 2010, he amassed an 83 and 14 amateur record. Rose is trained with a who's who of Canadian fighters like David Lemieux and Adonis Stevenson, as well as WBO super middleweight champ Billy Joe Saunders. He gets the biggest challenge of his career versus top 10 pound for pound and former IBF, WBA, and WBC middleweight champ Triple G. They're going to fight at super middleweight but the contracted weight for them to come in at is 164 pounds Rose said that he's not trying to prove anything to anyone but himself he wants to prove that he is here for the correct reasons and that he's supposed to be here and Triple G knows this and he continues to say Triple G that is that one punch can change your life sitting ringside for Joshua Ruiz last week he knows this all too well he fights in the same arena just one week removed from the bout that turned the fight world on its head in an interview at that same fight he said that he had some new wrinkles to show off that he gained from his new trainer Jonathan Banks one of the reasons that he moved camps was to improve he said he felt like he could not improve 
with Abel Sanchez that Abel just wanted to keep things the way that they were because it was working and he as a champion was looking to improve and always to improve Banks himself said that look he already had the foundation Abel Sanchez did an excellent job all he was doing was putting icing back on the cake now I don't know if trying new things right now is the move and a loss for Golovkin would keep him from the fight that he really wants which is the trilogy match with Canelo as well as an opportunity to cement his legacy also on this card you got a battle of undefeated fighters as Jonathan Banks trained Kazakh just like Triple G Ali Akhmedov will face 15-0 Marcus Daniel out of New Orleans. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Damo, one of the hosts of the most dangerous wrestling podcast around, The Outsider's Edge, with my homies Jay Kells and Sam Blackwell. And you're listening to the My Team my Voice Sports Podcast Network. Yeah. All right, what's up with it? This is Man Man, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked, babe. UFC 238 takes place at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. According to the ESPN stats team, there are only five fighters on this card who are either unranked or are not former champions. That means you have a whole lot of high-level fighters on this card. The matchups are just absolutely phenomenal. You got three fights on this card, on the undercard, that very well could be number one contender bouts. You got Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz of Bantamweight. Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Ansaroff at Strawweight. And the very first fight of the night is probably a flyweight number one contender bout between Caitlin Chukagian and Jojo Calderwood. Now, the main event's opener pits 10-1 Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa versus 17-2 Lagoy Baga Ivanov. It's a heavyweight match. And the matchmakers do their best to start off the main card with a bang. Baga has a 70% stoppage rate with six subs and six KOs. Ty has an 88% finish rate, all of them by strikes. Ty's also looking to get back in the winner's column after his first pro MMA loss which was a KO in his last outing against JDS. Baga, on the other hand, got his first UFC win in his last appearance versus Ben Rothwell. Though Baga can stand and bang, he probably wants to get this to the ground as a Shuey King would like nothing better than to stand and trade with the former WSOF champion. The next fight on the card pits 22-3 Jimmy Terra Rivera versus 12-1 Peter No Mercy Yon. This is a bantamweight bout and it's the voices marquee matchup. Why? Because the people's main event 
has been rightfully promoted as such. And the Voices Marquee matchup is here to put a spotlight on non-title and non-headlining fights. Much of the news this week has been, should the People's Main Event actually be the headliner or not? So there's no need to draw more attention to it by making the Voices Marquee matchup. As I said earlier, Sterling versus Munoz could be a number one contender fight, but this one could be as well. And the fact that this is on the main card above that previous bout that I spoke about tells you how strongly the UFC feels about Yan. Rivera entered the UFC on a tear. He hadn't lost in four years when he debuted versus Marcus Brimage back in 2015 and he extended that for another three years defeating the likes of Thomas Almeida Hall of Famer Uriah Faber and Pedro Munoz after losing to title challenger Marlon Marais and Pedro's opponent Aljamain Sterling he's looking to get that winning feeling back again outside of winning he's probably also hoping that Munoz wins as that will put El Terra closer to a title shot. When it comes to nicknames, they got it right with Jan, as the man shows no mercy. The Siberian gangster aims to finish each fight that he's in, and if he doesn't stop the fight, it's usually a dominant one-sided affair. Training out of Tiger Muay Thai is fitting that most of Jan's stoppages are by strikes. The only person to stop Jimmy via strikes, though, was Marlon Marais, and that was with a vicious head kick knockout. Expect Rivera to employ a wrestle-heavy strategy, but No Mercy said he's already ready for that. He knows he's a strong wrestler, and he has some boxing, so this should be a war. The people's main event is 24-3, Tony El Kukui Ferguson, Versus 36 and 11, Donald Cowboy Cerrone at Lightweight. And honestly, this has Fight of the Night written all over it. If it's not the Fight of the Night, my goodness, we are in for a night of epic fights. Cowboy has the most finishes and the most post fight bonuses in the history of the UFC. His 75% finish rate is comprised of 10 KOs and 17 submissions. El Kukui is no slouch on the ground, and he's got 8 submissions. The Eddie Bravo black belt is a Dars specialist. He loves to choke so much, he even named his dog after it. He also loves mixing it up on the feet and has stopped 11 opponents with strikes. El Kukui is the former interim champ. And he hasn't lost since 2012. 2012. Seven years ago. And he doesn't plan on losing anytime soon. Many have been concerned with Tony's quick turnaround after his mental health scare that saw his wife request a restraining order just to get him to address it. I'm one of those people that was really concerned that this fight was being put together so soon. But as far as that goes, Bravo says that he's ready. Dana said he cleared it with the doctors, and the doctors said that he's ready to fight. And Tony 
is sick of the questions. He said, if you're concerned about them, send them some money or something else. But stop asking them about this because it's not up for discussion. People have attributed Cowboy's recent success to becoming a father. He said that it's due to him becoming more mature. I would disagree because he nearly lost his life just before his son was born cave diving cowboy loves doing risky things he's an adrenaline junkie and he said he's going back to that same cave to dive again that doesn't sound like a very mature person really what's happened is cowboys being cowboy he goes on streaks like this and he usually keeps winning until he gets to fighters at the top of the heap and then he loses to him. That's generally what happens. A notoriously slow starter, three rounds doesn't favor Cowboy that much. Granted, he didn't stop, or I should say he stopped his last opponent and did that in the second round. Ferguson did the same thing too though. And his was a bit more impressive because he stopped a former champion in Anthony Pettis. This is such an evenly matched fight. And these combatants have so many tricks in their bag. I can't wait to see what they pull out of their bag and how this matchup plays out. The co-main event pits 16-3 Valentina Bullet Shevchenko versus 14-6 Jessica Evil Eye for the flyweight title. I has campaigned for the flyweight division for quite some time and since she's been competing in this weight class for the UFC she's been undefeated that earned her this opportunity against the champ like the division the fight is also something that she's campaigned for for over the past two years as soon as they were mentioning that they were starting it she was like yes I'm dropping down to 125 and I'm the number one contender she felt that way from day one most experts, including myself, always saw the current champion as an uncrowned king, queen, I'm sorry, of the division. As soon as they stated that they were making the division and she said that she was going to drop down as well to the division, Bullet Shevchenko has been in our minds as the champion. Even though Nico Montano won the belt, it was like, okay, yeah, you're holding this until you fight Bullet, and then you're going down. And now in her third fight at the weight class, she's looking to defend her title for the first time. Last I saw, Jessica I was a 800-plus underdog. I should say plus 800 underdog. And honestly, she should be. Outside of her win over Leslie Smith five years ago, she's lost to every high-level opponent that she's faced. On top of that, she changed camps for this fight. It's like, hmm, if anything, you probably want to go into this fight with the people that you know and that know you and that have helped you to get to this point. So, yeah, I don't know what she was thinking about with that one. But if we've learned anything from last week, it's that the fights need to take place to see what the outcome will be. In the main event of the evening, 14 and 2, 
Henry the Messenger Cejudo takes on 22-5-1 Marlon Magic Marais for the vacant bantamweight title. The title was vacated by TJ Dillashaw due to a suspension for a failed drug test earlier this year. That test was in conjunction with a 32-second knockout loss to Cejudo in the UFC's first fight for ESPN. Because of that victory, Henry believes he's an uncrowned champion of the division, and honestly, it kind of feels like it. He was promised with a win that he would rematch Dillashaw at 135 pounds, since when they fought at the beginning of the year, they did it at flyweight. Interestingly enough, both of these fighters are 4-1 in their last five fights. Both of them are on four-fight win streaks. And both of them are managed by Ali Abdelaziz. Now, Henry's resume during this time is a bit more impressive with beating two champions in those four fights that he's won. If he were to become the crown champion of the bantamweights, it would certainly spell the end for the ever-shrinking flyweight division. Magic's loss over those last five, though, was questionable in his UFC debut versus Rafael Assuncao's split decision loss, and many people, including myself, didn't see it that way. It was a fight that, fortunately, he was able to get back and it was the last fight that he had, and it was against the Sun Sao, and he won it in definitive fashion, slapping a guillotine on the Brazilian and doing it in the first round. Now, the former WSOF champ gets the opportunity to make history, being the first person to hold titles in both organizations. Henry's striking is much improved, and that was proven in his last bout. But Magic is a killer in the stand-up department, with nearly half of his wins by strikes. He's no slouch on the ground either, with six submissions, but the Olympic gold medalist should have the advantage there. As of late, they've been rubbing each other the wrong way too, as Henry has just poured on the cheese. I mean, he has thoroughly embraced being cheesy as a means of getting over with the fans. At the face-off on media day, Cejudo came to the stage in a crowd and a cape with his gold medal on. He had a magician's hat and wand in his hand, was tapping the hat and then pulling things out, pulled out a snake uh, for T.J. Dillashaw. I think he pulled out a bunny rabbit and some other kind of stuffed animal. I don't know. Uh, took all that, threw it into the crowd, and was like, yeah, you you think you're magic, but I'm the one with the magic. See, I'm pulling the stuff out. I mean, just, yeah, just a, a utterly cheesy thing to do. And Marlon was fired up. He looked like he wanted to kill Sudo. It was like, oh, this joker up here doing this crazy stuff. Ah, I can't wait to get at him. So, uh, yeah, it should be a phenomenal fight. Whose skills will reign supreme? And see them become the fifth UFC Bantamweight champion. We'll find out when the pin drops, the cage door locks, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. Up next, the official results.
Mic check, one, two, one, two, it's your man. J. Kells representing my team, my voice, and I'm the host of the number one sports show on the planet, Star Talk, where we talk everything about your team, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, every Saturday night right here on Anchor, my team, my voice. Hey, this is Amy Bentley with RWMS Group, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. This has been episode 94 of the MTMV Main Card. The Lord says the same. I'll be back at it again next week. Friday night is all right for fights. Invicta is in Kansas City, Kansas, being headlined by Deanna Bennett versus Karina Rodriguez on Fight Pass, which is a rematch. LFA is in Cabazon, California. They're headlined by Michael Perez and Assassin Bait, Brandon Moreno, for the Featherweight Championship. That'll be on Access TV. Mate America is on his own, coming from Tucson, Arizona, and is headlined by Jose Day versus Juan Pablo Gonzalez. Make sure that you're subscribing to MTM Sports on your favorite podcast platform so you'll get the new episodes as soon as they're available. If you're loving what we do, leave us a five-star review. Let us hear from you as well. You can leave a message by clicking the link in our show notes. And also hit us on the socials for MTMV Sports on Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. Sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice. Until next time, it's your man, the voice, host of the MTMV main card. And I'm sounding Oh.